to me, the Saints cannot con- continue, you know, trying to be a Sean Payton cover band. Like they've got to do their, they've got, they've got to have their, their own hits and they've got to find ways to maximize the talent that they have, you know, in offense, you know, Alvin Kamara only scored like one touchdown through the first eight or nine weeks. Like that, that, that can't happen. Like to me, that is an indictment of the coaching staff of the approach of the philosophy. As Sean Payton watch continues, as we're kicking off the 2023 offseason, are the Saints still stuck in their old ways? In other words, could they use an outside hire at offensive coordinator? We'll be weighing in on all that here throughout the program. But first and foremost, it's the Saints Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. It's Ryan O'Leary here, joined, as always, by my good friend, John Sigler. John's the managing editor of USA Today's uh, Saints Wire. John, I guess we're on to 2023, huh? Ready to put a bow in the season and, and move on. I guess we're moving on. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, the clock is ticking. The calendar is moving, and uh, and uh, we're ready, ready to lock and load and uh, move move on to, to what's next. So, it, 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 hey, it, you know, it'll all be here before we know it. Free agency, the draft, summer workouts, training camp. I mean, it, it feels like you blink and you miss it. The main thing you're looking for at the end of the regular season, especially if your team does not make the playoffs, is is you're looking if your head coach survived Monday, the Monday after the regular season. Yeah. A lot of coaches did not survive. Dennis Allen did. Uh, and he told the media that he's expecting to resume his role as head coach of the Saints. John, he, he actually said, quote, that's the indication that I've been given, and I'm excited about it. Look, again, 7-10 is not where we want to be, but we're not as far off as some might think. And there is some truth to that, right? There is some truth to that. Not to mention that the Saints did close the year, uh, including you know with a three-game win streak. They had a winning record over their final seven games. I don't know if that was a crutch, John, for DA, or do you think he was always going to get this second year? It kind of felt like, even when things weren't going great for the Saints, uh, it felt like DA was going to get a second year with the team. Yeah, we talked about that during the season, um, whenever I got up on my high horse in November and started talking about how they need to go ahead and fire him. Um, that, that's just not how this organization works. You know, that, that may be what fans want to see, that may be what I want to see, um, as far as believing there's, there's a better path forward for this football team, but that's not how the Saints operate. And I just don't think that's what we should expect from them. You know, you know, they are a, a patient organization when it comes to personnel. Um, it seems like they always tend to give guys a little, a little, little longer than you would expect. Um, and I, I definitely think that was, that was the expectation internally was that, Hey, this is going to be a two year operation for DA. And, you know, in after 2023, after the cap has, after our salary cap situation has settled a bit after, um, you know, we've gotten some of these draft picks back after Sean Payton is off doing his thing and we've gotten whatever draft assets we can recoup from that, from that, then we'll kind of reevaluate and see if this is who we need to hitch our future to. So, you know, it's not the approach that I would take. It's not one that I necessarily endorse, um, but that, you know, that's where we're at. And I think that's kind of what, you know, fans may need to recalibrate and uh, prepare themselves for. Yep, we got to wrap our head around DA being back, which is which is fine, John. We, we can take our time with that, right? We can absorb that information. And I don't think we were really expecting it. One change we are expecting is a change at offensive coordinator or at least play caller, right? Uh, now, as you wrote on Saints Wire, the team made an assumption that Pete Carmichael could k- kind of keep it afloat, kind of maybe fell on, he fell on the sword a little bit for the Saints, right? You You kind of, you did a great job describing throughout the season, even on this show and on Saints Wire, how... That wasn't Pete Carmichael's first choice, but the Saints kind of twisted his arm and said, hey, man, we need you. Uh, it didn't work, right? It didn't work. Uh, there were tough injuries like Jameis Winston, 
Obviously, when you sign him as your QB1 and Jameis gets hurt and it's Andy Dalton for the rest of the year, that was rough. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, guys on the offensive line. Injuries played a part of it, right? But there were still, you still had talent. <laughs> you still had Alvin Kamara. You still had Jason Hill. You had emerging young guys like Juwan Johnson at tight end, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid. There was probably enough talent on the roster, John, to be better than 22nd in the league in scoring and some of the other uh, stats and metrics that came with what was a struggling offense for the for the Saints under Andy Dalton and under Carmichael, right? So I think you know one change that we're definitely expecting here in short order is the Saints got to go find an offensive coordinator. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they've got to find an identity, an, an identity on offense. And to me, that's not going to happen from within the building. You know, there obviously there are guys in there who are very widely respected in this league. Um, you know, like uh, Ronald Curry, the, the passing game coordinator is when it comes to mind. But to me, the Saints cannot con- continue, you know, trying to be a Sean Payton cover band. Like they've got to do their, they've got, they've got to have their, their own hits and they've got to find ways to maximize the talent that they have. You know, in offense, you know, Alvin Kamara only scored like one touchdown through the first eight or nine weeks. Like that, that, that can't happen. Like to me, that is an indictment of the coaching staff, of the approach, of the philosophy. Um, you, you, you've got to be smarter and get more out of your personnel there. And so they, 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 to me, they need to go outside the box. They need to, uh, you know, bring in some uh, fresh perspective and just really find a way to you know, just, just be competitive on that side of the ball. You know, th- there were nine games this year or, or seven games this year where they, they had fewer than 200 uh, passing yards and they only won two of those matchups. Um, they, there were a couple of ones that were really close <laughs> where, where they barely cracked 200 passing on the day. Um, and, and they just struggled week in and week out. and. This past year, they wanted to be a run the football team. They, they, they wanted to have a presence on the ground, but they just were not effective at it. You know, I don't think any team had more attempt, rushing attempts on uh, second, second and long, which, which is 10 yards or more, um, while averaging a lower yards per carry than New Orleans did this year. You know, th- their, their trends were very obvious. It was very stale. Defenses knew what they were going to do. There was this viral clip from the, the second Bucks game where they – on their on their last drive, the Saints tried a, a slant pass to Marquez Callaway on third and one. And gosh, what, what's the the the, uh, the Bucks corner who's always chirping with everybody? Uh, and and he's, he's chirping at Callaway after the play and, and the Saints sideline after the play, saying, "Yeah, I knew y'all were going to do that. You'll you'll always do that here." And it's like, man, they, they they've got to be themselves. They can't keep trying to emulate Sean Payton. Uh, without having him in the building, like like that's that's not going. It didn't work this year, and it's not going to work next year if that's the approach they take. So, we'll see what happens in the weeks ahead. You know, NFL rules stipulate that you know a lot of assistants around the league cannot even interview for jobs right now. Like you're you're, you're scheduling interviews a week or two in advance, if anything, if you can even get permission right now. So, I understand why the Saints are kind of dragging their feet on on this and working towards it, and. But at the same time, it's like, where is the sense of urgency? Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I don't. Mickey Loomis uh, spoke on his radio show or his radio spot with WWL Tuesday night, and he said, "Yeah, we're you know we're going to take a week and we're going to kind of uh, blow off some steam and chill out and make sure we're not making any emotional decisions here, and and then, and then evaluate things." And I'm like, "You had 17 weeks to evaluate Pete Carmichael. What more do you need to do to say, okay, we need to go in a different direction here?" And it's it's frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for people like me who are covering the team. Um, ho- hopefully it uh, hopefully things pick up soon. I, I would expect the Saints to meet with a lot of candidates around the Senior Bowl. That that's when they tend to make these hirings. That's when they hired 
uh, Ryan Nielsen, their defensive line coach, a couple of years back. Um, that's when they hired Jeff Ireland in the front office several years ago. So to me, that's when things are going to pick up is at the Senior Bowl here at the end of January. John, the Saints seem to be showing the uh, the kind of urgency, uh, kind of like a three-yard run on second and ten. You know, it's the kind of urgency they're <laughs> yeah. showing. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, <laughs> yeah. it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it all checks out. But yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, John and uh, Ross Jackson put together an article on Saints Wire, six candidates to replace Pete Carmichael. Uh, folks should go check that out for sure. They definitely... Uh, went outside the box a little bit, found some names that you might not think of. You know, everyone's probably like, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. But no, the, the guys actually did their homework and found some outside the box uh, candidates. Definitely check that out on, again on Saints Wire. It was posted this week. Uh, you mentioned Sean Payton a, a few times, John. Um, I love that line about how you you can't be a Sean Payton cover band. You have to get your own hits. I mean, that's just a perfect way to put it. Uh, now, while Saints fans, you know, maybe they're eager for... Maybe they're worried about Dennis Allen like you, John, and they're and they're looking for a, a different voice to lead them, but maybe they're a little bit disappointed and they're not sure how this offseason is going to go with DA still in charge. We still have this Sean Payton thing in our back pocket, which is which is a good thing, right? It does feel like Sean Payton's going to coach in 2023, which means the Saints are going to get compensation uh, for Sean Payton leaving to go coach another team. We talked about the Broncos in depth last week. Uh, now the reports, right, right as we started recording, actually these reports came out today, uh, requests from the Texans. So the Texans have requested to talk to Sean Payton and the Cardinals are going to talk to, uh, Sean Payton after being granted permission from the saints. So this Sean Payton story is now really picking up steam, right? He's talking to teams. It seems like he's ready and Sean Payton coaching in 2023. That's a good thing for the saints this off season, because that means compensation is coming their way. Yeah, thank goodness, and and they need it. Uh, with, <laughs> um, they're they're in, in in a tight spot as far as uh, draft assets and um, what the resources they have to work with here in the off season. So, yeah, looking at these uh, at these um, job openings to me, the, the Houston Texans one is, is really intriguing because on the one hand, Sean Payton, you know, he, he's in the, he's talking about here in public. He, he he's on you know the the Fox NFL Sunday pregame show talking about how, you know, ownership and the front office are the two most important things to me and having that stability to rely on. And you look at it and you're like, Houston, the place that has fired two head coaches in two years. But then you get to thinking about it and it's like, you know, that this is the, the place that, you know, uh, Bill O'Brien ran uh, without any question or, or input from anyone else for like six or seven years. So if, they, if they're willing to give that kind of uh, control to Sean Payton, then, you know, in, in light of that, it does make sense. And to me, that's probably the, the, the you know, the best option as far as, you know, um, draft capital, as far as a, re a return that the Saints could hope for in a trade would probably be the 12th overall pick from Houston that they have from the Browns, because I don't see... A, you know, a top five pick being put on the board. And I know that Saints fans already are, are saying, oh, screw you. You know, we, we want two first round picks. We want a top five pick. And it's fine to want that. I want ice cream for dinner, but it's not going to happen. Um, and so I, I, I don't see Arizona putting the third overall pick on, on the on the table. I don't see Houston putting the second overall pick on the table. Th those are, you know, generational assets, essentially, you know, that that's something that you, that in order to trade for that straight up, you would have, you would have to put like two or three picks on the, on the, on, on the table for it to equal that. And that's not going to happen. Um, so <clears throat> Houston intrigues me in light of that. Um, and to me, that would probably, you know, the 12th overall pick that, you know, 
that's that's very good uh, compensation. That that's actually not too far off from where the Saints would be picking this year if they hadn't got it suckered into trading away this this year's pick to um, uh, the Eagles uh, last summer. So so hey, hopefully those those talks uh, go go well, and uh, we'll see how things develop. So what's interesting though is that but the, the Texan out of these three teams, Houston does not have a quarterback, and the Broncos have Russell Wilson, and the Cardinals have Kyler Murray. Both of those guys have some issues here as far as injuries and performance and, you know, their, their experience and their career trajectory at this point. Um, and, and Sean Payton is, has been noted to be a fan of Kyler Murray. And Russell Wilson is a big fan of Sean Payton. So uh, they're, they're both in the, I, to, to me, they're all three of these teams probably have a shot here. Um, and, and, and the more I think about it, the more it seems to benefit the Saints because, you know, hopefully it gets to a point where they can play one party against the other. Yeah, it is interesting, and I can see what you're saying. Like the fans, they want that number two pick from Houston, yeah. but they, they want they want CJ Stroud to be yeah, more exactly. specific. They want the second yeah, round, the second exactly. overall pick, Sean, so they can so they can so they can draft Stroud. I kind of feel like Sean Payton would want the second round pick too, though. Yeah, he's the coach. I think you know? so too. You got to think about that. I, I, I'm inclined to feel the same way there, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, and I wonder like how much is Mickey Loomis going to play ball with Payton? I mean, it's his guy. Right? How much is he going to play ball with him in the deal? Right? Is he going to go for the team offering the best draft pick, or is he going to go? Is he going to work with Sean to go to the team he really wants to go to? You know what I mean? Like if it's Kyler Murray in, in Arizona, you know, and and that's 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 the guy and that's the team, and you could get maybe they're not offering this the third overall pick, but maybe they're offering a pretty good package outside of that, and that's really where Peyton wants to go. But you could get a first round pick, maybe the Denver pick late in the first round. That they have through uh through the 49ers, right? Like uh, just you know what I'm saying. Would would Loomis play ball with Peyton and take less compensation to to like kind of help Sean go where he wants to go? Yeah, I can absolutely see that happening. And that, that kind of you know bothers me because you know, in, in a business like this, or in, in any business, you know, in any result, any results oriented business, you should put your you know, you, you should be a little selfish here and you should prioritize what's best for your organization, for your team. Not for your friend, you you know, not not for someone who you won a Super Bowl with, uh, you know, ten years ago. Um, this should be something where you go into it from the perspective of how can I maximize value for my team, and I'm not convinced that Mickey Loomis will do that. Uh, j- just based off of how he and Peyton talk about each other, and based off of you know, frankly, the poor returns that Loomis has gotten in these trades recently, where he, he's continuing to overpay and not get enough back in return, and I, I could totally see that happening where. It comes down to, well, we wanted to do right by Sean and, and make sure that he's entering a position that's good for him. And, you, you know, we're not going to ask him to give up, you, you know, the second overall pick or whatever it may be. Like, I can I can totally see that, um, you know, coming out at a press conference in a few months. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to help Sean get where he wanted to be so he could come kick our ass. You know, what I mean, it's it is like a it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a tricky yeah. situation when you when you bring in. The draft capital to get Peyton, but Peyton's going to that team. He's not going to want to give up all this draft capital. It's 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 an interesting story. Sean Peyton watches become really fun, and uh, we'll have to keep watching it here as we go in the coming weeks for sure. Uh, we will be doing that. Uh, you guys also wrote on uh, Saints Wire, John, you and the crew, a little bit about what's coming, right? Uh, the free agency situation. The, the Saints have 29 pending free agents on the roster, including guys like, you know, Marcus Davenport, right? Like, they got decisions to make uh, with the free agents. Also, if you look at Track, they have, of course, where else would the Saints be, but a league worst, 52 and a half million over the projected cap because the Saints are always dealing with that thing. Yeah, well, well, about that, just on that note, I would go with 
so over the cap is.com generally is ahead of the curve with spot rack. And they, they, and one difference here is they have accounted for the restructure that the saints just did with Michael Thomas on his contract. A spot rack is, hasn't accounted for that yet. So, you know, while the Saints are still over the cap more than any other team, it's only about $39 million instead of $52 million. <laughs> They'll get so, there, John. They always get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always so get there. We, we made a little bit of progress already. But Michael Thomas, is he, it's kind of where I was going, right? There's going to be some decisions that, are, that the team's going to have to make with some of their veteran guys, whether they're trying to restructure contracts that haven't already been restructured or whatever, making tough decisions. Do we, do we trade or cut a, a key guy? Michael Thomas, right? Michael Thomas. Uh, like as you said, John, they just reworked his deer deal, which lowers his base sal- salary and opens up options for them to potentially move on, right? If they decide that's what they want to do, if it if that's best for both parties, it kind of feels like that's coming. Do you feel like that's where the Saints are with Michael Thomas? Yeah, it it feels like that door is shut to me. And you know, th- there are ways the Saints can navigate this to kind of undo what they've done and. Um, work, have Mike have Mike play on this deal the way it's now written or, or whatever. They, they have other options here, but just considering the timing of it and the structure of it and where both parties stand and how the last two years have played out for, for Michael Thomas, to me, it feels like this is this is an indicator that, you know, his time is up here in New Orleans and he'll be playing football somewhere else in, in the fall. And that really hurts to say because. You know, look at where Michael Thomas was. Look at where he is still in in the in the team record books. You know, he was on pace to be the to be the greatest wide receiver in franchise history. You know, he was going he he was on that track to surpass you know Eric Martin and Joe Horn and Marcus Colston. And depending on who you ask, he may have already done that. But to see someone who was you you know you know, possibly, you know, the greatest of all time in New Orleans uh, to have his career completely derailed by injuries and things that were completely out of his control. And then all the drama that was between him and the coaching staff and the medical staff and, and, and all that whole debacle to see that kind of overshadow what he's accomplished on the field. It, it, it's, it's very disappointing. And you, you really do hate to see it uh, shake out like this. So yeah, you know, I'll be surprised if he's back in New Orleans and, and here in the fall. I, I think he's gone in March, just from the way that this, that that the Saints have set this up. And, and if that is the case, you, you know, obviously I wish him well. Uh, ho- hopefully, he doesn't flex on the Saints too hard whenever they meet him in the future. Yeah, I I echo everything you said. I mean, it's hard to it's it's like it was a while ago, but Michael Thomas was like Justin Jefferson back then. How Jeff Jefferson is now? He was like yeah. De- Devonte Adams, you know, like that's he was that guy. He was so dominant. Uh, yeah, and and the way it the way it ended up for him and the Saints is just is just tough. If this is the end, that is uh, that's tough to see. Hopefully, he can get himself healthy and and finish out his career. Uh, but yeah, it would be tough to see Michael Thomas walk. It would be tough for that. That it'd be tough to. What about like Cam Jordan, Demario Davis? You know, another guy that I wasn't thinking of off the top of my head, but you uh, you you said right before we hit record, uh, Andres Pete is another one, right? You have these veteran guys that could become. You know, maybe maybe casualties, right? Trade or cut or whatever. Uh, the team's going to make decisions on some of these guys. I cannot picture the Saints without Cam Jordan, uh, but maybe is his is he like in doubt, John? Right? Like the team's got some decisions to make on some veteran guys, and that's one thing I'm kind of keying on here as we head into the early part of the offseason for sure. Yeah, you know, Cameron Jordan right now he has the largest uh, salary cap hit for the Saints this year. 
uh, for 2023 at $25.7 million. You know, he is on top of the chart here. And so obviously something has got to move there, whether that is, you know, another restructure or um, a, a, a pay cut uh, or, you know, him, him moving, moving on and being moved somewhere else. And, you know, something is going to have to shake there. And, you know, if, if he, you know, to me, the situation is different with Michael Thomas because it's not like Jordan, you know, it's not like his body is breaking down and it's not like he is, you know, seriously regressing as a player. You know, I know, look, I know the sacks weren't there this year. Um, Dude is still rock solid in run defense. He's still, you know, a foundational piece for a defense. And even if he's not getting 12, 13, 14 sacks a year, he's still a very important player for you up front. But what, what is the value of that? And to me, that's where things kind of diverge with what the team may need versus what the team has to do. And yeah, he, he's going to be a major domino for them. So, you know, re- restructuring Jordan again, you know, that, that could free up over $10 million. To me, that feels like the smartest decision here. But at the same time, you, you know, there are going to be teams that call and and say, hey, you know, we, Cameron Jordan is exactly who we need to uh, go chase another Super Bowl. And, and he feels like someone that a team like, like the Chiefs or the Bills may reach out for. And, and and see as like their missing piece or, you know, Sean Payton may come calling and, and, and say, hey, you know, I know I know who Cam is and I'd love to have him on my side. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But but Cam is definitely a big domino this offseason. Um, other other big cap hits uh, fans should know about Marshawn Lattimore, 22.4 million. Ryan Ramchick, 21.4 million. You know, both of those contracts were designed so that the Saints could restructure them in future years and move that money around and keep those guys within in the building and uh, while re- retaining some financial flexibility. We'll, we'll see if that's still the case given the injuries there. You know, Lattimore missed like 10, what, what was it, 10 games uh, with, with, Adam, with um, you know, the kidney and rib issues. Ramchek has this uh, this kind of um, recurring knee problem that's been limiting him in practice every week and has been holding him out of some games every now and then. Um, but to me, as far as straight up cap casualties, like guys, they look at and say, we can't afford you anymore. And, like I said, Andres Pete is, is at the top of the list here. He, he's a, he's got the fourth biggest cap hit, $18.3 million. The Saints can get $11.8 million of that back by designating him as a post-June 1st cut. What that means is that they would release him from his contract now or, or, or now or, or in March, like in the near future, you know, and on June 2nd, they would get back the 11, you know, $11 million that they, that they would, would kind of earmarked there. And that in, it, that's not ideal because you're not getting that money in free agency. You're not getting it for, during the draft. You're not getting it, you know, immediately after the draft either, where, where there's that that next wave of signings, like like we saw last year when the Saints signed Tyron Matthew. You're not going to have those resources then, but you will have them later in the offseason to kind of, um, you know, help uh, sign your rookie draft class and to kind of set aside to tide you over during the season. And to me, that just seems like an inevitability. And Andrews Pete specifically, he has... You know, he obviously he has injury issues. You know, he's never played a full season. He uh, th- this year also ended. He's his last two seasons have ended with injuries, and he's kind of beaten up. And he's someone that I, that you know, a very vocal segment of the fan base has been saying year over year, like what what are we paying this guy for? And I, I think he's pro- I think he's a better player than his rep- he may have a reputation for within the fan base. But just looking at the financials of it, looking at where the team is, this feels like. 
you know, the end of the line for, for him. And that's going to open a big hole at left guard. So ho- hopefully the Saints can can uh, find someone who can uh, replace him. Just so many moves to come, right, John? Just like restructures, guys walking, unre- uh, you know, unrestricted free agents walking, guys potentially getting designated, like you said, a post-June 1 cut or just getting cut outright. So many moves to come. Uh, in the coming years, let, let's or coming, yeah, coming years, coming days, coming weeks, coming months. Just let's end it here. Like, how do you feel about the roster overall? Obviously, we haven't hit quarterback on this episode. We've been hitting it every other episode, so we've hit it pretty much every single week for the last month. But quarterback is obviously a glaring uh, thing that we'll be watching here. But how do you feel about the roster overall? Um, we've talked a lot this year, also about a guy like Juwan Johnson, who had a breakout year. Chris Olave is. He's going to be an alpha wide receiver one for a long time uh, for the Saints. Uh, Rashid Shaheed, we're all we're all dying to see more of him. We did. We finally got to see a glimpse of what he could do later in the season. And I think we all liked what we saw. Right. There are young, you know, emerging stars on the roster. How do you feel it looks right now as we head into kind of the crazy part of the offseason where you know, contracts are getting restructured left and right. Guys are getting cut, traded. Guys are getting signed like how do you feel the roster stands right now heading into that portion of the season? Like, like you said, there's going to be a lot of mo- <laughs> a lot of moving parts here. And th- there are some fa- some new like foundational pieces emerged th- th- this season that, that, that you spoke about. And what's concerning to me is that, you know, there are a lot of players who you would, you would you look at and say, okay, this is someone that we can lean on. And then you look and they're a free agent, you know, like, like Joan, jo- like Joan Johnson and Caden Ellis. Um, even the punter, Blake Gilligan, uh, <laughs> you know, they've got a lot of guys that they need to work on re-signing and to, to, that that's going to be a challenge. Um, it, what is kind of a relief is that some of those guys are restricted free agents, which means the team will at least have the right of first refusal uh, should they get a contract offer. Um, and that's going to make it easier to reta- re- retain, you know, J- Juwan Johnson specifically. Caden uh, Ellis will be an unrestricted free agent. So he's going to, if he reaches the market, he, he's going to have his choice of places to go. And to me, he feels like someone who might get a nice contract offer and he might go somewhere else uh, because he's, go, he's he could go to another defense and start right away. Whereas, his, you know, his only hope to getting on the field with New Orleans is that Mario Davis or Pete Werner misses some time because both of those guys are still ahead of him on the depth chart. So it's, 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 a, it's a lot to shake out. Um, it's a lot to navigate. As far as how the team is constructed, you know, to me, there are some pretty obvious areas of, of concern, areas that you need to address. You know, you know, you need another running back. You need defensive tackles. The, the only defensive tackle the Saints have under contract for, for 2023 is a, a Prince Emily, who, if, if you don't know who that is, that's fine. He was on the practice squad all year. He never got into a game. Um, and so they, they don't have any defensive tackles under contract for next season. So that, that interior line is going to be an area of emphasis. It has to be. And, you know, the secondary is on paper, it's deep, but we never saw, you know, the entire starting uh, secondary play together. We, we didn't see Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus May, Tyra Matthew, uh, uh, shoot, I'm like an out here, Paul Sinadibo and Bradley Roby. We never saw those five play a, play a single snap together uh, due to injuries throughout the course of the season. So you, you've got to hope for better luck. To, to me, you know, I, I would be looking for another safety. I don't want to see Daniel Sorensen playing defensive snaps for this team next year. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you can't have Marcus May be your only, you know, safety with range on the back end. You've, you've got to have someone 
you know, hopefully being trained up to replace him in a, in a year or two. So they, they've got a lot of work to do. And as we talked about earlier, they, they don't have a lot of cap resources. They don't have a lot of draft picks. So hopefully the Sean Payton uh, situation works out in the team's favor. Hopefully that, you know, they can again be creative, navigate the salary cap. And, you know, be in a position to compete in the offseason. Yeah, we'll be watching for all of those headlines here in the coming week, especially Sean Payton and just the flurry of moves that is coming from the Saints. But it's it's always happening with the Saints. There's always there's always storylines. There's always news breaking with the Saints, John, and we'll be all over it Every here. Day. Yeah, we'll be all over it, of course, on Saints Wire and here on the podcast as well. Folks should definitely be checking out Saints Wire. And there's always good stuff on there, John, including uh, an article I just I just pulled up as you were finishing talking there. I mean, hard knocks, hard knocks could come to new Orleans, right? Yeah, it's a possibility. Why not? What do you, do you yeah. think the States would be a, an interesting uh, watch on, on hard knocks? It, it, it borders on being disrespectful, but part of me hopes it happens just so that we can compare this behind the scenes. Look at Dennis Allen against Dan Campbell with the lions from last from last season with hard knocks and be like, man, this is what we missed out on. And you know, you know, to me, he is the one that got away from the Saints, and he, you, you, you can't help but sit here and wonder how differently this team would be if you know Dan, if Dan Campbell had been able to take over as head coach, and when Sean Payton stepped down, so yeah, that's a problem for another day. You know, I, I don't know that the Hard Knocks is going to consider New Orleans um, here, but they're, they're one of the four teams who are eligible for it, so obviously there, there's a chance. So. We, I guess, we'll just have to wait and see that, but that is something to watch out for. I mean, we wouldn't be mad, John. It would be a content producing machine. Uh, oh, we would love it. We would love it. <laughs> uh, but you know, I my gut says it's either going to be Bears or Jets, and I just have a bad feeling it's going to be the Jets. I, I want it to be the Bears. I think the Bears are interesting. See, I have a bad feeling it's going to be the Bears. Okay, and you, and you don't want that. I, I don't because you know I don't I don't like the Bears as a franchise. Their fans, you know, a, lo- a very vocal minority segment of their fan base really rubbed me the wrong way back in the, in the 2006 NFC championship game with, with they had all these horrible signs about how we're going to finish the job that Katrina started and all this. And yeah, and that, that, that just, and I know that not all bears fans are like that. I know that not all people from Chicago are like that, but they're on site forever after that. Like them and Vikings fans, they, they, they can, you know, both kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. So so the, the the more losing seasons that the Bears have, the more years that go by without them winning a Super Bowl that go by, the happier I am. So the, the less of a focus they get in the media, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So that that's just me. That's just me being personal and vindictive and petty and and, and uh, yeah, that, that that's kind of where I stand. <laughs> no, that makes that makes perfect sense. I was thinking, you know, they have the first pick. They have all this caps. Mm-hmm. You know, they have all 100 million plus in cap space. They have Justin Fields. Like they could be an interesting watch. But then unless they trade him. Yeah, Unless they trade Justin Fields. I don't know. Well, Tannen, Tannenbaum already hasn't traded that guy. Freaking guy. Oh, uh, but I think Matt Eberflus, he probably would be a dial tone. Uh, you know, he just would not be very uh, interesting. I think it's going to be the Jets. And it's just, you know me, I'm a Patriots fan. The Jets are just, I just don't like the Jets. I don't know if I'd want to watch the Jets, but I just have a weird feeling it's got to be them. Uh, but yeah, no, the hard knocks is another thing. Give me the Saints. Give me the Saints for hard knocks. Uh, but again, <laughs> great stories just like that one right up on Saints Wire. Check that out. And then John and I will be back to uh, to talk more and hop on the Sean Payton watch. See what's going on there next week. We'll catch you then. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.